Hey, Islanders, and welcome to episode 57 of the Commando Voice. On this episode, I speak to the owner of the Cama Beach Cafe. Please welcome Donna King. Hi, I'm Brandon Erickson, and you're listening to the Camino Voice Podcast, where I interview folks around Camino Island and beyond. If you want to stay up to date on events, businesses, and even hear a little history of this area, subscribe to this podcast and share with your friends. Thanks for listening. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Camino Voice, where we release a new episode every Tuesday. On this episode, I got to speak to Donna King, who's the owner of the Cama Beach Cafe. And if you haven't been down there yet, they have a, she has a cafe there uh, in the Cama Beach area that is overlooking the ocean. It's a beautiful location. Uh, she does a great job with it. She's got a little cafe out there. And on top of that, she also does catering and stuff like that. So she's catered a lot of different events around the island and beyond. Um, so we get into her origin story a little bit where she started. Um, she's actually run multiple businesses at this point, um, Cama Beach being one of her latest venture that she's been going on. But she's had a, a business that was located outside of the United States, um, as well as some businesses inside of um, the San Juan Camino area before Cama Beach. So anyways, uh, please enjoy my conversation with Donna King. Hey, Islanders, and welcome to another episode of the Commando Voice. Today, I'm here with the owner of the Cama Beach Cafe. Welcome to the podcast, Donna King. Thank you. How are you doing today? Doing good. good. Doing good. So before we jump into everything, uh, tell us a little bit about Donna. Well, uh, I am, probably the most interesting thing about me, to locals anyway, is that I'm a fifth-generation Stanwood um, it, I guess. My great-great-grandfather came here in 1886 and um, homesteaded a section of land south of town near Florence Okay. and ended up going down and doing his duty in uh, Olympia uh, for a short time, somewhere, some, some political office. I haven't really looked into it that much. Okay. And then, my, then his son, Carl Jr., married a Larson girl. And no, wait. Yeah, he married. Anyway, so I'm, I'm related to, I have cousins all over this place who I have never met because I'm related <laughs> to the, the Larsons and the Gedstads and the Satras, which there's not much, there's not many of those left. Yeah, I haven't heard that last name. Yeah, you, you wouldn't have a few, probably the last thing that people would remember would be the Oliver Satra milk trucks, okay. which have been gone for mm, close to 10 years now. Okay. So back, way back when everybody knew who mm. they were, but. So anyway, that's my, my sort of, I guess, sort of interesting little tidbit. Very cool. So then um, has your family, um, your family's been in this area for that long. Do you, as far as your family history and stuff, do you know why they kind of got, came to this area in the first place? Well, yeah, sure. Uh, I mean, originally, you know, the Norwegians came because they were the second and third sons and only the first son could inherit the land. Okay. Right. So I, I suppose that's the way many people ended up coming here. They didn't have opportunity in their homeland. Mm -hmm. um, my, like others in my family, they stopped off, you know, apparently came to Quebec or or sometimes Ellis Island, whatever, but then they got a team of oxen and they headed out this way and a lot of them landed in uh, North Dakota and then, you know, they couldn't make it work there either or they heard that there was more opportunity out here and so they all came out here and uh, I think it's a pretty typical story. Yeah. Became farmers. Very you know? cool. Yeah. Like everyone. Yeah. 
Um, do you know um, approximately like the year that your guys is the first generation moved here? 1886. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. Okay, so then did you grow up in Stanwood then? I did not. I, oh, okay. I was raised in Bellingham, and then my family moved to Marysville, and, uh, and I graduated from Marysville Piltrick High School. Okay. And then I, my grandparents were still here, and so I did live here for a short time in my 20s when my grandparents needed a little bit of help, but then I married and went to Canada to okay. Vancouver, BC. My husband ended up passing away, and then I came back here, but I didn't really want to spend, be in Stanwood so much as Camino Island. I just thought it was prettier and it's just where I landed. Yeah. Okay. So you guys, you said you grew up in Bellingham and then moved down to, or you were in Bellingham, then Marysville. Um, what had brought your parents up to Bellingham? Well, my mom was from Bellingham. Oh, that okay. was my mother's side of the family. Got it. So, um, you know, they met in school at Western and, um, just happened to stay there for a long time. So, okay. Yeah. It's a great town. Nice. I love yeah. it. <clears throat> yeah, we, uh, my wife and I love going to visit Bellingham. Yeah. Um, and just going up there, and it's nice. We're so lucky here. We have so many beautiful places to visit. Yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of great places in this area, and we just went, like, we went up uh, Highway 20 to go on a hike. Oh, yeah. Um, Gorgeous. Last week, and yeah. I'm heading um, there tomorrow, actually. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, no, there's, like, there's, there's great hikes. There's, you know, skiing and snowboarding, if you like that, during the winter. There's the ocean. There's, yeah. yeah, just a little bit of everything. Yeah, it's so. we're so lucky. Yeah, very cool. So then, um, uh, so you graduate high school. What happened after? Uh, what did you do after that? Uh, I got a two-year degree from Seattle Central Community College and was heading to Western when I met my husband and I moved to Canada instead. Okay. So, so. did you ever finish your education there then? Or nope. Nope. I going? became a mom. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. And how long did you live in uh, BC? 13 years. Okay. Nice. And the, you, is that where your husband was from? He or was from Alberta, okay. actually. Yeah. Got it. And what was he, what'd he do up in uh, Vancouver? He worked in the film industry. Really? He, yeah. He was a lighting tech and um, a gaffer and yeah. Oh, very cool. Yeah. And my daughter's up there now. She's in film school. Okay. I, I haven't seen her since the lockdown, unfortunately. Right. Because no the borders are closed, yeah. which they just closed them for another 30 days. But she's doing good. She's, good. she's already had two of her films made. I mean, if anybody listening to this happens to know her, she's doing incredibly well. Nice. I'm really proud of her. Yeah. What are some of the films she's worked on? Um, well, they're her own films, um, just six-minute films that she's done for school. She's graduating next year. Okay. So ho cool. hopefully they won't have to do distance learning because it's really hard in film school to do mm -hmm. distance learning because they have to get out on the street. And the school she goes to, uh, the Bosa family donated, I don't know how many millions of dollars to give, get them all the best movie making equipment that there is and a big auditorium and tons and tons of computers. And, and um, they, it's really a hands-on um, degree. Yeah. Yeah, it's... It'll yeah. be really sad if she has to do it by distance. Right. Yeah, it makes a huge difference in just learning and, and all of that. Yeah. Yeah, especially a lot of that technical stuff and getting to work with hands-on with the cameras and things like that. Yeah, exactly. So, very cool. Um, <clears throat> okay, so then you came back down to um, Kameno then afterwards. Did you move back with your daughter then? Was she yeah, I did. Yeah, okay. yeah, when she was in fifth grade. Okay. 
Nice. What did you do when you came back? I know you were living with your grandparents, helping out, but what else were Well, you that doing? was when I was in my 20s. When I came back here, well, the first thing I did was I volunteered at the um, at Casa and Noah. Okay. And, um, and it's kind of an interesting story. There was a... Uh, a feral cat colony on the island. There were 70 cats. Wow. Uh, it was at the country club, actually, and it was really out of control because these cats were going in the neighborhoods. They were killing, you know, birds, and they were just, you know, they were unhealthy. It was a really bad situation. Mm-hmm. So when I was volunteering there, there was a, a couple of gentlemen who trapped the cats, and then I would take them up to Noah, get them spayed and neutered, and then we rehomed them in barn homes. Okay. So that was that's another kind of, cool thing that I've done here on the island. Yeah. And then, um, and then I, um, bought the old cookie mill and did the Scandia coffee house there for, for four years. And that was great. And then I sold it and well, then I, then I opened the Cama beach cafe and I sold the, um, the Scandia coffee house at the same time. So that's how I got into restaurant was just by starting with a coffee house. Okay. And then people would ask me to cater all the time. So I became a caterer. So I do a lot of catering out of Cama Beach Cafe. Got it. Okay. Well, I did before COVID hit. Yes, <laughs> I know. Um, okay. So how did you get in touch with the, like was Cookie Mill on its way already shutting down? Yeah, or? it was for sale. Okay. It was for sale. And I really missed all the great coffee houses in Vancouver yeah. where you could go and have really great coffee and sit and have a sandwich or a pastry and um, meet with people. And and so I gave that a try and did really well with it. Uh, well, I did kind of mediocre with it. Okay. I mean, I was able to sell it in the end, but yeah. it was, um, I learned a lot. We'll say. Yeah. So was that your big like venture, first venture on your own then? No, I had a retail store up in Canada, um, a gift store that's actually still, uh, it's still in existence uh, on Lonsdale Avenue in North Vancouver called Utopia. Utopia. Yeah. And it's still open. Nice. Yeah. So that was my first, I had that for 10 years. Okay. So you did that while being a mom and, Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's a lot of work. Yeah, I know. I'm pretty crazy, actually. I don't know why I start, I get these bugs to do these projects and um, start these businesses, which is kind of nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So wait, okay. So go back then. Tell me about Utopia then. How did that get started? And That just started with, um, I started selling jewelry that I was making out of a kiosk in a a little market called Lonsdale Key, okay. which is kind of, it's kind of like a Granville Island sort of thing. If okay. you know Granville Island, yeah. it, but it's in North Vancouver where the sea bus lets off and they have like all these like produce markets and restaurants and little shops. And so I, I've made jewelry for many years and I was looking for an outlet to sell my jewelry. So I got a kiosk for the summer and I did really well with that. And I brought in some other like gift items like candles and um, little books and stuff. This was the day before Amazon when you could actually yeah. sell books. <laughs> and then the owners of the kiosk approached me because they had a shop that had been sitting empty for a long time. And they said, would you like to um, move into this store? And it will charge you the same price as the kiosk. And I was like, well, I don't really have enough stock to make it look full, but I, sure, why not? So I just kind of, you know, bought more stock and arranged, like brought in big plants and stuff to kind of fill up the space. And then uh, I ended up having that for 10 years. So. Okay. Yeah. Very cool. So then um, 
um, how did you come up with the name Utopia? Um, it just means a better world, right? A good, perfect, ideal mm-hmm. world, which doesn't really exist. But, yeah. you know, it's just, uh, I mean, Thomas More came up with it, right? Mm-hmm. I didn't come up with it, but yeah. um, I just, I love the name. Very cool. Yeah. Nice. So then you ended up, um, so over 10 years then, how did you, so you start with just kind of your jewelry and what you had, and then how did you kind of grow from there? Well, I started buying more jewelry, mm-hmm. and then I started buying like mineral specimens, like big, beautiful crystals and stuff like that. I uh, went down to uh, Tucson to the great big Tucson gem show. Oh, okay. And um, and then I tried to get as much locally made, you know, things as possible. Yeah. Um, you know, bath products, body products. Um, yeah, just I'd go to the gift store, gift shows. Yeah. Um, the wholesale gift shows, and just get things that I thought would suit. Mm-hmm. Things that I liked, things that I might want to buy. Yeah. And so I just started filling the store that way. And it was really fun. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. I wanted to do that here, but I just didn't think there was enough of a market. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and that's funny because, so then, first of all, when you were doing the gift shows and stuff, were you doing ones that were mainly Vancouver or like Canada based or were you coming down to back to Seattle? Yeah, I would come to Seattle. Okay. Yeah. So Vancouver, Seattle, um... I went to Denver one year and uh, just because I was going to Denver anyway and, yeah. you know, just the timing of it. I think I went to the San Francisco gift show one year. Okay. Um, and the Tucson gem show. Yeah. Yeah. My grandma, um, uh, prior to passing away, used to go to that every year. She would go down in February. The Tucson show? Yeah. The yeah. Because that's, that's where we moved from. Oh, you did? Um, I grew, well, oh, my gosh. I, I love five. Tucson. We didn't. Love it. <laughs> oh, no. Is it too hot? Yeah, my so my parents um, they grew up in Tucson, or you know, ended up in Tucson, and that's where both of my sides of the family mainly were at the time. And um, my parents never liked the climate of Tucson; it was yeah. dry and gross. And yeah, hot. it's a harsh climate. Um, so then we came up to moved to Camino when I was about five. Oh, and, okay. Um, and then, but a lot of my family and stuff was still down there. And then my grandma moved up here. Um, she started moving up here during the summer, so she would be up here during the summer and move back down during the rest of the year down to Tucson. So nice. Um, so yeah, we we have a lot of travel back and forth between Camino and Tucson. Yeah, I discovered when I was there that there's a some kind of spore or something that um, when it rains, mm-hmm. it like wakes up the spore or the spore starts growing or something, and a number of people are allergic to it. Oh, and okay. I was one of those people. I went there one year to the gem show and wow. I was so sick. <laughs> oh no. But I wasn't the only one. It was like, there was a bunch of people there. I guess if you're not used to the spore, it just makes you have like a really bad cold. It irritates your sinuses really bad. Oh. So I think of all the people that moved down there without knowing about this spore. And then <laughs> Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. I've never heard of that. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I mean, my family, a lot of my family has lived there for a decent amount of time. So they probably are generationally been there. So they probably are used to it now. Yeah, probably so. so. Yeah. I've, it's the sickest I've ever been was in, I mean, with a cold like symptoms was in Tucson. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's horrible. Oh, that's weird. Um, okay. So then you, you sold that then. Um, and then you, that is, after you sold that, did you come back here and were you just starting to kind of look and find out what was going on? Around yeah, exactly. Exactly. I was here. I'd moved down here. I sold my house in Vancouver. I sold my business in Vancouver. And, um, 
And I was just kind of looking for my next thing to do. Mm-hmm. So that's when I opened the Scandia. Okay. Yeah. And nice. then I then one day Jeff Wheeler walks in and said, Hey, you know, we're we're putting in a restaurant out at the state park and would you like to come and look at it and maybe put in a bid to get it? So I did. Nice. And then uh, I had to make up a bid with, you know, to be a concessionaire. Because mm-hmm. I don't know if a lot of people know that, that mm-hmm. I'm a concessionaire out there. Okay. That the Cama Beach Cafe is not state run. Yep. So I basically lease the space from the state. Okay. So I had to put in a business plan and an offer and I snuck a dozen cookies in there as well for the people in the office because I figured they should know, you know. What they're getting. What they're getting, yeah. yeah. So Very cool. So. Was there a lot of people that were applying for that spot? Um, there were four of us who came to the meeting. So, no, okay. the competition wasn't too stiff. Yeah. No, that's neat, though. Um, okay. So then um, at this point, you had sold Scandia. Now, did you sell Scandia to the people that own it now? No. It's Julie's running it now again. She is the original owner and she's running it with her cousin and, um, and no, I sold it to, uh, to a woman who, uh, reopened it as Ramona Lisa's. Okay. Yeah. And that must've been when I was off at college. Cause I remember when it was Scandia and then I moved away and I was out college and then working and stuff. And then by the time I came back, I think it was about to relaunch and reopen as cookie mill. Yeah. So, okay. Um, okay. And then what was kind of your thought when you were opening up, when you, after you put in your bid and everything and you were getting ready for uh, the Cama Beach Cafe, what were you kind of thinking of, like, how are you going to make it different from before and what was your kind of plan? Well, the reason really why I wanted to get the Cama Beach Cafe was because of the catering, because they have so many weddings out there. Mm, okay. So I felt like catering was a much more creative and fun thing to do. Like a restaurant is, it's very, it's a lot of work and you're <laughs> doing the same thing day in and day out. And I, I'm a person who gets bored easily. Mm-hmm. So, um, and, and catering actually pays the bills better. It's, it's much harder work. It's very intense work. Yeah. Um, and there's really no room for error, but I kind of thrive on that, the pressure. Okay. So, yeah. so I, I never thought that the cafe would make much money on its own, but okay. I felt that the catering would do well. And it has. Okay. Until COVID hit. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that is. Yeah. So, um, so then over time though, have you continued to build, um, has Cama Beach, it's like as the cafe, has that continued to grow more than you expected? It has. It's really been shocking because usually by about the fifth year, a restaurant will level out. Mm-hmm. And we have been increasing every year since we opened. And this is now, we opened in t- August of 2011. So we're going on our ninth year. Congratulations. Yeah. And our sales are significantly higher um, this year than they were, la- I mean, 20% than they were last year. So I think just the word gets out, you know, especially Camino, the word gets out really slowly here because we don't have a lot of avenues for advertisement and it's a pretty tight community really. So if somebody's not on Facebook specifically liking your site, and even (laughs) if they are the, uh, I forget what they call that, the algorithm doesn't always you know, produce results. Right. And I mean, the crab crackers, amazing. Yeah. Um, 
But if somebody doesn't happen to pick up the crab cracker, then right. then how do they know? So yep. we rely a lot on our mailing list. Okay. Um, to like let, physical mailing? Uh, no, email? no. But that's an option. That's always an option that we haven't used. Right. So. Yeah. Well, it's, it is interesting when I've talked and looked at uh, marketing um, for this area versus, you know, if you follow a lot of marketers and stuff, they're they're talking about what's coming up and what to be aware of and things like that. But our our generation and our community here on Kameno is about, you know, 20 years back. So like, it is, which is in one way, it's kind of positive because you can look kind of, you can kind of forecast how marketing trends are going to go in this area. Um, but on, on the other hand, you have to like, think like, okay, if these people are, don't, you know, we have customers that don't even have internet or don't have computers. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so you're like, okay, if they can't do that, then what, how do I market these people? How do I reach them? Yeah. So, um, have you done a mail out? We've done, we haven't done that. I know there's some other businesses here in the complex that have done some. And yeah. I don't, I think it's kind of mixed on, on how well it's done. Yeah. Um, but mailing, uh, like you said, crab cracker, I think is a great option. Yeah. Um, I think that's more red than, you know, a lot of our other things around here. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I personally have friends who don't even have smartphones. Yeah. Yep. It's you just know? weird. <laughs> More than one friend like that. Yeah. So they don't know when I have an event coming up in the cafe unless I call and tell them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, email has been, um, works pretty well. Cause I think a lot of our, this, the community here, um, checks their email. They're looking for things to do. Um, but yeah, it is one of those things where it's just getting the word out. That's the hardest part. Yeah. Uh, I agreed. A hundred percent. Um, very cool. So then, um, well, that, that's really neat that you said you, you've grown even since last year. And Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I haven't finished the July numbers yet, but we were, I mean, up until March, we were January over January, February over February. Okay. Um, March obviously was a complete and total loss, yeah. as was April and, and half of May. Okay. Um, we were, unlike other restaurants, we were not able to do uh, um, takeout okay. during phase one because the state park itself was closed. Oh, yeah. I didn't think of that. So we had already instituted a takeout program um, with an app that we actually don't like and are replacing. Yeah. Um, so we'll talk about more work. But <laughs> anyway, um, we had instituted that takeout program when the state park closed altogether. Mm. And then when the state park closed altogether, obviously we all of our staff had to go on unemployment. And then as soon as the state park opened again, we opened again just doing takeout during phase two. Okay. And then when we went to phase three, we were able to get uh, table service. Yeah. But here that this has been a, kind of a mixed blessing because, um, going back to do table service, which we're used to and having the takeout at the same time, you have tickets coming in from two different areas yes. into the kitchen. And so it's been really kind of hard to get that operating smoothly. Right. That is the, the system flow, you know, the idea of takeout is great, It <laughs> is, but the implementation of that for the team, like that's something we've struggled with here is, you know, you've got a line of five people and then a ticket comes through on an online order. Well, who gets priority then? Right. Exactly. So exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. <laughs> yeah. 
it's it's been a little bit of uh, I don't know what you call it. I you know I I try to look at obstacles as opportunities. Mm -hmm. So that's how I'm choosing to yes phrase it. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I think you know something. Um, you know, COVID and all of that hit in March and then, you know, through even now. Um, but one of the things is like a lot of the people that are either, um, you know, got, had to go to on unemployment because there wasn't work or things like that. Like a lot of them were like not or running into like not having anything to do because they couldn't leave the house. They couldn't do these things. And anyone that was in business or running their own business or something, our workload went from like a normal level to like really, really high. Yeah. Plus we had to be the only person operating the business because everyone was at home. <laughs> yeah. And um, it, it was just like really interesting, like how drastic the difference in, you know, from employee to employer, like that, that drastic change during that time. <laughs> yeah. My I wife agree. and I were like, we, we aren't bored at all. <laughs> right? Yeah. I mean, gosh, if I could go back and go on unemployment again, wow, those <laughs> days I look back fondly. At first I was like, no. But then I was like, wow, I got so many projects done at home. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I think that was really interesting how all of that worked. But um, so then you've been able to kind of have since being in phase three, have you guys seen kind of a pickup and... Well, we had, yeah, we had a, uh, we had, had some really big days. Um, we we're very fortunate that the park let us move our cafe out, our seating area out into the great hall so okay. that we could socially distance mm -hmm. because you're all the restaurants now, I don't know how they're surviving. The ones that have to keep the tables six feet apart or the seating six feet apart. Right. And we were in such a small place to begin with. Like all of our tables were really close together Yeah. Um, because the park required us to stay in the, what we call the, the cafe, the cafe area, the cafe okay. dining area while the great hall was open because they would have events in the great hall. So because they're not having events in the great hall, they let us move our tables oh, out cool. into the great hall. So, um, so we have just the same number of tables, Yeah. but now it's twice as far for the servers to walk. Right. And it, so it's just, it's just been a lot of challenges, but the park, the state park has been wonderful. They yeah. have just been wonderful to us. They've been so understanding and they really have bent over backwards to help us succeed. And I'm very, very grateful to them. Oh, good. Yeah. yeah. No, I, um, so I, uh, a couple podcasts ago, I got to talk to Mary Margaret and how she really helped try and push along Cama Beach and getting that up and going and worked with Jeff Wheeler because um, he was kind of the project manager of yeah. like, on the local level. Um, and it's just, it was really neat. I mean, I think Cama Beach is a really neat state park and it's got so many unique aspects to it. Um, and just the, the community aspect of what Cama Beach has done, um, or created rather in this community is really neat. Yeah, it so, is. It very is. cool. I love it. So then, <clears throat> then you said with catering though, obviously that's kind of come to a, a halt. Um, are you, have you heard anything on like people? Well, we're still catering. Um, we're, our catering numbers are this month are about half of what they would be normally okay. just just in the number of events um uh, in terms of the number of guests it's gone way down because right. instead of doing a wedding for 150 we're now doing a wedding for 50 right and when we were in phase two we did some uh weddings for 10 
you know, which really doesn't pay the bills, but right. you know, it, it keeps you, it keeps your spirits going, you yeah. know, to keep you working. And, and, um, so, you know, we have some caterings coming up this month that are for 50, okay. which is great. And next month, which are for 50. Um, but we, we know that we can't really survive unless we do, um, we, unless we do something to bring in money other than catering. Yeah. You know, because they, we can survive, but we're seasonal. Right. You know, so we, you know, if we were open every day, if we were in a location where we could be open every day mm-hmm. um, and be open year round, then that would be great. Yeah. But we're not. Right. So and during, that makes a huge difference. Yeah. During the off season, yeah. we're open Friday through Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Which initially we just wanted to be open Saturday and Sunday, but in order to have our beer and wine license, yep. we need to be open three days. Yeah. So, um, so you know that certainly won't pay my salary. Right. So uh, we have some of the things that we're trying. We're trying a take and bake. So we've been making you know pot pies and fruit pies and oh, nice. frozen pastries that can be baked at home. Mm-hmm. And so we're hoping to add to that. And uh, our cafe always makes our own homemade jams. So we've been wanting to bottle those up. So I went and took the advanced food safety class so that we can get the WSDA or the USDA certification. Yeah. So that's another thing I need to follow up on. Oh, very cool. Uh, add that to my to-do list. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you weren't busy enough. Right. Exactly. And now it's summer and I want to go camping for three days. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> so that's, I'm, we're trying to adapt in that way. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're just doing our best and trying to make it through this time and, you know, hoping for the, uh, the, the cure. Yeah. Basically. Right. The treatment so that people can get well and not have to go to hospitals right. if they get sick. Yeah. And I think that's the kind of the big question mark for all of us is kind of um, we're continuing the pattern that we are. And even like stage four isn't truly out of the woods or anything. I mean, they put a freeze on phases right now, but like phase three, phase four, until there's really a, a better understanding and cure and, you know, things like that, like they don't really have anything for the long term. They don't. Yeah, it's I mean, they don't even know if a, if a vaccine can even be made. Yeah. You know, they this this could be with us forever. Right. Right? We just, it's this great big unknown. I mean, I never thought I would see this kind of thing <laughs> in my lifetime. I mean, I did grow up with hearing, you know, my grandfather, who was born in Stanwood, and his family was born in Stanwood. He was born in 1913, or 1910. My grandmother was 1913. Anyway, um, his sister, Thelma, was 12 years old living in Stanwood um, during the Spanish flu, she woke up a 12, healthy 12-year-old, and the next morning she was dead. Wow. You know, and I grew up with that family, you know, lore. Yeah. You know, my whole life hearing about how horrible that was to right. the community. And, and um, but, you know, I never thought I would live through a pandemic, a right. global pandemic. I mean, it's so bizarre. Right. You know, so. Yeah. No, it's really interesting. And it's, and it's weird. What's, what, what's also weird about it is it seems like everything's normal except no concerts, no sporting events, and everybody's wearing masks. <laughs> but it's really not normal. No. Because, you know, like, while our business was doing, we were doing a lot. I mean, we're still doing pretty good. Mm-hmm. But we can sense that people, there's like a, a general level of anxiety out there. Right. And maybe I'm projecting. But it's people, I think, you know, and I know people who are 
who are uh, high risk. And, and so they've been alone during right. the whole thing. And, you know, I think a lot of our, um, a lot of our older neighbors and friends, especially are, they're still nervous. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I think, you know, I've, I've talked to my team about this as well. Um, you know, there, there is that anxiety, whether or not like we feel like it's normal, we kind of, you start getting used to a little bit of that, like, but what you have is basically a constant line of tension that's in the air. Um, and the problem with that is that people start getting used to being at that level of stress or kind of just Mm. tense at all times. And so when something goes wrong, whether they get the wrong drink order or the food doesn't come as fast as they think they should or whatever, they, they, they just naturally react to it. Oh, um, okay. And so we've seen a little bit of that. Um, yeah. I think overall our, our customer base has, has been very polite and worked really well through it. But they're, you know, and I don't blame the people. I think it's just there's that tension level. Right. And so when something doesn't go right, you're just like, oh, another thing not going yeah. right. Yeah, okay, so it's not just me. No, I don't <laughs> think it is because I've told my team, like, don't take it personally. Like, this is a weird time for everyone right yeah. now. Yeah. Everyone is off kilter. They're not. Yeah, things just seem harder than usual, mm-hmm. like all around. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so. that's interesting. Thank you for yeah. telling me that because yeah. <laughs> I thought it was just me. No, I think that's something we've been sensing. And and honestly, I think Camino in general has had a lesser version of that than a lot of the other parts of the state, for sure. Well, and look at it around the country. I mean, people like... People are getting killed over whether they want to wear a mask or not. Yeah. You know, I I think I've heard of two different things where people were like flat out murdered because wow. they started getting in fights Yeah, over mask wearing. Yeah. And I think, I mean, that was another, another thing that um, we were discussing. I was actually discussing with Mary Margaret um, about like, I was asking her, do you feel like it's become more polarized since you've left the you know political realm? And she said, yes. She's like, everything that comes out, it doesn't matter what the subject is, has to become partisan. So, like, mask has suddenly become partisan on, like, who's supporting, who's not supporting. And it just across the board, like, something gets thrown out. And then people take these, like, very aggressive stances on one or the other. Yeah, it's true. And, um, you know, I think we're just all, especially in Camino, I think the general census has been people are trying to work together as a community and move forward. Yeah. Um, but that's not always the case. Yeah, so. unfortunately, yeah. I mean, for me, it was when the governor said that you had to wear masks, It that was a relief for me because my staff, you know, I want them to be safe. Yeah. And, you know, if I can just say, well, I was told to do this and I'm doing what I was told. Right. You know. Yeah. Yeah, and, uh, you know, we've got on this on the team like it's there's people that are higher risk than others and um and i was telling a lot of my team thank you the ones that were able to work during the um like the the three-month period where it was really intense and no no one knew what was going on um because it was really it really was kind of scary like nobody knew what was going on we still don't really know but we um, still don't we really didn't know then and um you know my team was was serving people with with masks, without masks, you know, we hadn't gotten all of our plexiglass and things up yet. Um, so it was, a, it was a weird kind of scary time. And, and the people that showed up and really were willing to work during that time were really helpful in, in trying to continue that. Yeah. Originally, you know, when I was watching YouTube videos about what was going on in China and <clears throat> it was really scary. Yeah. 
to see the pictures of the hazmat suits and the people being dragged out of their apartments and everything. And I was like, ah, yeah. <laughs> it's coming here. What yeah. are we going to do? You know, and, and I mean, thankfully, we haven't had that kind of situation, mm-hmm. you know. So, wow, so grateful for that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely weird times, um, but, you know, it's all the challenges and things that we're going through, we get to you know, grow from them and learn from exactly. them and adapt. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yep. The obstacle becomes the way. Yep. So, well, very cool. I'm glad um, that you guys have been able to reopen your restaurant and everything. And, and I'm glad to see that some catering things are coming through now. That's, that's exciting to hear. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Very cool. All right. Well, I'd like to end every podcast with some rapid fire questions. All right. Um, the first one is, do you have a lesser known or favorite location on Camino Island that you like to hang out? Um, I do, and I can't tell it because it's private, okay. but <laughs> I really recommend people go to Carla Matsky's, yeah. um, um, uh, uh, sculpture garden. Yeah. Uh, I think it's really unusual and it's, it's just a fun place to stroll around. Mm-hmm. Um, of course I always say the state parks, I mean, yeah. that's. You know, they're just great. And also, of course, you know, the other places are not unknown. I love Iverson Beach. Right. You know, I love Four Springs. Um, Which one is that one? Four Springs up. um, It's up off of uh, Cross Island Road. Or not Cross Island, but um, Camino Hill Road. Okay. I don't think that one's been mentioned. Oh, really? Yeah. It's a county park. Okay. Um, They have, it used to be an old farm. Okay. It's a it's an event venue. Yep. So they I've catered weddings there, but they have a really nice long loop trail that you can do and I think it takes a couple hours to okay. do the loop trail. Nice. And there's hardly anybody on it. Okay. So I like to do that. Very cool. Yeah. Cool. We got a new location. Yeah. All right. Pretend you have a friend coming from out of town. What would their first day look like here? Well, I'd take them to the marketplace, of course, nice. <laughs> um, get a coffee or an ice cream or whatever. Hopefully they're here on farmer's market day. Yeah. Um, which if anybody, if any of my friends are listening that run booths, they'd be like, what? You haven't been down here, <laughs> which is true. I got, I really got used to staying home a lot. Yeah. So, um, and I think that that's true for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They're kind of used to staying home. It's a home. new pattern. Yeah. A new habit. Uh, cocooning. Yeah. 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 So um, I would, I would, it would be nice if they were here on, on that day. Um, I usually like to take people to English Boom or to Iverson right. uh, or to the private location that I have that has, um, it's like a little private land reserve that I know of that nice. is not open to the public. So yeah. that's kind of a cool thing because there's never anybody there. Um, but there's great trails all over the island. Mm-hmm. So usually, I mean, that's what I would do is trail, trails or, or Carla Matsky's gallery or if jack gunters is open yeah you know very cool yeah yeah that was a bummer that the the art tour got canceled this year i know um again it's like um you know that that got canceled the tulip festival got canceled and we're talking about seasonal and stuff you know there's a lot of businesses that especially along the skagit area that that's what they use to make it through the rest of the year Connor. i mean you know um the chili chowder cook-off i'm sure uh, we're crossing our fingers. <laughs> I mean, when is that? October, September? Yeah, yeah I yeah. think uh, October, beginning of October. Yeah. So they're uh-huh. already trying to figure out, like, how could they do maybe two locations or, like, 
Um, they're trying to figure out how to spread it out, but it's, yeah, that would be a huge hit for the community if it didn't happen. So. Well, I mean, if they had it in one of the larger venues, couldn't mm-hmm. they... Well, I don't know. Yeah. It's just such a huge event. So it many is. people attend and I don't see right. how it could even happen. Yeah. And that's what they're kind of trying to figure out. Oh. Is, yeah. So. That's sad. Yeah. yeah the quilt show out at Cama Beach, it's their biggest day of the year. It draws thousands of people. They're going to do it virtually as a Facebook Live this year. Okay. Which actually, you know, if you look at it, means that they could... Um, they could do that every year in conjunction with, say, next year they do the physical one. Yeah. Then they could do a Facebook Live as well, and it could draw in people who can't come, you know, people right. who maybe who don't even live in the state because there's people that are like quilt aficionados, you know, yeah. collectors, whatever, yeah. and give them an opportunity. So it kind of, you know, the, the quilt show for Cama Beach is a uh, fundraiser for the the Camino quilters, the Cama Beach quilters. So <clears throat> that would widen their audience and maybe yeah. they could even raise more money. Right. You know, yeah. so you can see how we can learn new opportunities mm-hmm. from these things. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. All right. Who's an interesting or fascinating person in this community that I should interview next? Well, um, Jeff Wheeler, I think, because he knows all the interesting history about the parks. Um, and not only that, but he's also the regional manager for a lot of the state parks. Okay. So he, he is a very, um, very interesting man and he has some really great stories. Like for instance, once he, he had to do CPR on someone at Cama Beach and saved that person's life. And so he has some interesting stories like that. Um, uh, also Jack Archibald. Yeah. He, of course, he's written those books. He's such a good storyteller. I mean, I've only read his stories, but I haven't heard him tell his stories in person. But I imagine anybody who can put that kind of stuff on paper can probably speak that those kind of stories as well. Yeah. Um, so, you know, between those two, you know, that's a tie for me. Yeah. Uh, I think Carla Matsky is, is yeah. an interesting person. Um, Jack Gunter um, is very interesting. You know, his tales of Russia and, I mean, who knows what else? I mean, <laughs> I know he's got some interesting stories. Yep. Very cool. Yeah. All right. And lastly, if you could have a message on a billboard on Kamano Island, right as you're driving up the island, uh, what would that say? It would say, keep your eyes out for deers and rabbits. Please don't hit our deers. I know I'm making a sad face right now. Uh, yeah. There's, um, I've heard it said there's two types of people on the south end of Camino, those who have hit a deer and those who haven't yet. <laughs> it just makes me so sad. Yeah. Well, it's really hard, especially on that end of the island because it's dark. Um, yeah. You, know, you can't really see and you're, there's so many curves and corners. And, yeah. And it's a high speed limit. Yeah. And um, have you ever heard of the white deer on Camino? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have one that comes to my yard now. Oh, very cool. I was really surprised. And I heard there's three of them on the island. Really? I don't know. It's like a recessive gene. I call her Blondie. Okay. She's not really white. It's She's not a albino, but she's definitely um, got a recessive gene. Oh, that really? Makes her, okay. Yeah, she's really pretty. <laughs> very cool. Yeah, when we lived... So we used to live over on Tillicum Way, right off of Arrowhead, north end of the island. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was growing up, we had a uh, albino deer 
um, that was born. And so we got to see it. Was it really company. albino? Did it have it like the, it had the red eyes and everything? Yep. And um, I forget which uh, photographer, but my parents have some of his pictures that he took. He came to our property and our neighbors to photograph them. Nice. Um, so we had pictures of that one when it was there. So. Oh, nice. Um, but yeah, no, it's really interesting. It's weird that like a certain area like that would continue to be passed on or yeah. happen because it's supposed to be like very random and yeah. strange. So. Uh, but I'd always heard of it, but I thought that it was on the north end of the island. So I but was I really surprised. Yeah, I've taken tons of pictures of her. <laughs> very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. Yeah. All right. And Islanders, I will talk to you on the next one. Well, a big thank you to Donna King for joining me on the podcast today. And thank you for listening. If you haven't already, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. It really helps us be found by other Islanders like yourself. And for more information on this episode, you can go to kamenocommons.com slash EP57. That's kamenocommons.com slash EP57. Thanks for listening and see you next time.